Welcome to the Executive Function Podcast, where we make the invisible keys to success easy for you to teach your child. We'll go beyond theory to proven action, helping you create peace and independence at home and at school. With your host, educational author, award-winning teacher, and celebrated learning coach, Sarah Kesti. Hey, Tribe. Thank you for being part of this podcast. I love the emails and questions I'm getting from you. And thank you so much for sharing it. It's so cool to hear from people who are joining our tribe every day and learning with us. We are so much stronger together. I'm hearing from a lot of you that the distractions of home have been an issue with learning and working from home. And truth be told, I'm struggling with that too. But there is always a strategy, and today's show focuses on a good one. So you know that feeling when you're so into something that you stop feeling time? When you've just been looking at or reading or doing something with such intensity that you've missed a meal or two? Or the feeling you get when you have to peel away from something but it doesn't leave your mind? I think we've all been there, whether it's an interesting conversation, social media, or a game, there is something for every brain to lock into. These brain stealers, as I like to call them, are sometimes great. They help us disappear into something engrossing and forget whatever may have been troubling us, at least for a little while. On the flip side, these brain stealers are also usually so enticing that they can lure us into misusing our time. They often are so available and easy that we think we can just sneak a few minutes here and there without falling off track with our obligations. For example, and okay, I'm guilty of this too, (laughs) if my students have their phones out while they are attempting to complete schoolwork, Even if the phone was initially out for academic use, like looking something up online, their brains will be drawn to look at and interact with their phones. Just the visual of seeing the phone right there available and within reach is a brain stealer. If their phones are visible, there's a good chance that at least part of their brain is stolen already. And this is actually why I don't bring my phone to the table when we eat, because I know that if I can see that little blue light flashing, telling me somebody might need me or have sent me a funny meme, then my brain goes to my phone instead of going to the loved ones that I'm with. And I'm not mad at my brain for this, but I understand it and it's empowering to understand it. It also means that I have to choose to leave my phone in another place so it can't steal my brain. But I get to be the boss of this plan. Today I want to teach you that you need to first know what your top brain stealers are and second, know how to be the boss of them. So notice I'm not saying never use brain stealers again because brain stealers are important tools at times. If they are healthy and you have a good understanding of how they affect you, then planning for the use of a brain stealer is a great strategy to provide yourself some escape. 
But far too often, we are leaving our brains unlocked and unarmed, ready for the brain stealers to come in and take over. The more aware we are, the more choice we have to engage with the brain stealers or schedule them at a better time. We get to be the boss of when we choose to let our brains be stolen. Let me hit you with a little background. You know our brains crave dopamine. It's what's released when we do something good for our survival, something we find pleasurable. Being social and feeling love give us dopamine. Eating gives us dopamine, and extra if it's fatty because our brains are still programmed to crave things that will keep us alive the longest. Seeing something new or having something just challenging enough also gets our brains to produce dopamine. The people that develop the technology that represents a big portion of what we currently have as brain stealers, the people who develop that technology, they know a lot about the science and the psychology of human behavior. They design platforms and apps and interfaces to be addictive brain stealers because they understand a few principles of our minds. If we can understand these principles, then we get to be the boss of our brains. So first, the first principle is that the fear that we may miss out on something, sometimes it's called FOMO, is legitimate. We don't want to miss out on an opportunity or something that others might talk about. We don't want to be left out. And if you think about it, this made sense. Humans aren't well-appointed hunters with claws or fangs. We're designed more for a group survival and support. So we're programmed to crave social acceptance. Along the same lines of social acceptance, we also feel the need to respond to others. So we are being inclusive and maintaining our social tribe. We think that if we don't text back right away, we're telling others that they don't matter or aren't in our group anymore. People who make brain-stealing technology also know that human minds often like to feel seen and noticed. We check our technology for social validation through likes and interactions, often ironically, right in front of the real-life humans who also love and notice us. The downside of this, but still seeming to be a human need, is that we also compare ourselves with others. There's a concept called downward comparison, and that's valid. It can explain why we enjoy looking up people that we formerly didn't like very much. Because if it appears that person is doing poorly, we feel elevated by comparison. So the concept also applies to people that you do like as well. When the brain can compare and feel elevated, that does give us a hit of dopamine. Just makes me feel bad saying that we do it to people that we love, but we do. It's part of um, the way our brains are designed. So when we do notice that we're feeling elevated by comparison through that downward comparison, our brains enjoy this. And then our brains give us the neurochemicals to feel good, so we keep doing it. You may notice that when you can't quickly make a downward comparison, 
you may feel bad and then seek other ways to feel better. It's so interesting. Literally nothing changed in your real life except for your thoughts, yet your feelings change to steer your behavior. Isn't that interesting? All right, the last thing brain stealers are good at is manipulating the idea called intermittent reinforcement. Basically, if something gives you what you want almost all of the time, but every once in a while it just doesn't work, it's more addicting. It reinforces your seeking it intermittently. And this is much stronger than if you always or never got what you needed. People often use slot machines as the example for an intermittent reinforcement. In terms of raising and teaching kids, intermittent reinforcement means your kids know how to work your weak spots. For example, they know that every once in a while they can crack you and you'll buy whatever candy they're asking for in line at the store. Because you give in once in a while, they'll continue to beg and cry. Sometimes their crying will work, sometimes it won't. But they will continue every time you go to the store because it has some promise and definitely lots of interest. You reinforce it by giving in. Ugh, makes you wonder who to be mad at, huh? And I am totally guilty of this too at times, even though I know better. I'll tell my students, hey, guys, I'm not having anybody in at lunch today. I just need to get some work done because normally they're welcome to come in and work with me during lunch, but sometimes I just need a break. So I will announce it in the morning. Hey, yo, go do your thing. Don't come to me at lunch. And then what do I do when they show up anyway? Oh, half the time I let those little turkeys in because they do need help on work and I can't say no. I reinforce that begging and it's hard not to. So don't beat yourself up if you do this too. But in terms of apps though, this makes sense. Most of the time our photos get likes so we keep posting. Once in a while, we get a really big, great reaction, and sometimes none at all, so we keep posting. Now, we can understand why a lot of things in our lives are brain stealers, so how do we deal from here? First, just keep track. You can probably already think of some things that steal your brain. List them out. Then keep track of how much time you spend each day using these brain stealers. No judgment, just keep track. You will be surprised at how many hours a week your phone gets, believe me. Parents and teachers, you can help your child do this as well. After you can see some patterns with the times that you've tracked, it's time to be the boss of your brain. If you see that you spend a good two hours on social media a day and that doesn't sit well with you, then schedule the time you will allow your brain to be stolen by social media and try to stick to that schedule. Again, it's okay to let your brain lock into something just for fun. It's just best to do so with your own permission, not being at the whim of your brain and its cravings. If you're helping a child learn to manage brain stealers, then first reflect with the child on the patterns that he or she found after tracking their own time. 
I've had a few kids recently who have been staying up until the wee hours of the morning to finish work for the semester. These same kids tracked their time and found that from about lunch to about dinner, their brains were properties of their phones and video games. So when we talked about it, they flipped their schedules to use the afternoons for work and then play after dinner. They were not only more productive because less tired brains work better, so working earlier in the day was helpful for their brains, but they were also happier when they let their brains be stolen because they didn't feel guilty like they were missing work time. They were choosing to be fully immersed in fun, and that was okay. I know we talked about this in an episode about setting up the schedule at home, but as a reminder, it's okay to make seemingly arbitrary rules about brain stealers. So you can refer to these rules as the bad guys or treat them as facts to ease that power struggle when you say no to your child. For example, no phones during work time is my favorite rule. No phones during work time. It just is. When it's work time, your child can choose if his phone goes in his backpack or on your desk, but it's not allowed during work time. The schedule says it. Sorry. A secondary step to this after you've got this established is to reflect with your child later about how much more he was able to focus when he put his brain-stealing phone away. He needs to understand that you're not being terrible, just helping, but he also really needs to understand that he can be the boss of his brain and his focus by removing his own brain-stealers when he needs or wants to. Another way to manage brain stealers is to use the term without judgment. Calling something a brain stealer isn't good, it isn't bad, it just is. And when you can label something a brain stealer, it helps to decide what to do next with it. So if it's time to veg out and relax, a brain stealer may be just the thing you need. However, when it's time to focus, a brain stealer may need to go away for a bit. Again, not good or bad, but having the language available to describe something like this is really helpful in making it less emotional and fighty. Yes, I said fighty. It just fits there. In stressful times, let's say like surviving a pandemic, your brain and your child's brain may be craving brain stealers even more. You can recognize that and accept it. Now you can strategize and say when you allow your brain to be engaged and to be stolen. No more brain larceny because you're the boss. It's pep talk o'clock. Grab that kid. Hey kid, Have you noticed that you can watch funny videos or play certain games all night without knowing that time went by? That's because certain things are brain stealers. They are designed to be so fun and engaging that your brain wants them all the time. Today, your grown-up learned that brain stealers aren't a bad thing. 
Every brain needs a little break sometimes to do something fun and something that takes its focus away from anything negative. Your grown-up also learned that you all need to know which brain stealers are your most common so that you can plan when you let your brain be stolen and when you don't. Like during work time, you keep your brain stealers like your phones or games far, far away so you can't see or hear them. Then your brain can get the work done faster and easier, which saves you a good chunk of time for actual fun brain stealing stuff. Your grown-up also learned that keeping track of how much time brain stealers take is a great first step in becoming the boss of your own brain and your time. Keep up the good work of bossing your own brain, kid. You are my inspiration. I'm heading off to allow my brain to be stolen by a good book or maybe a cat video or maybe a nap. I don't know, but I planned my brain stealers for right after I got this podcast done. I love brain stealers at the right time too. Have a great week. Please stay safe and healthy. All my love to you. Thank you for listening to the Executive Function Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over to sarahkesti.com where you'll find more resources and chances to connect with others. And please remember to like and review the show wherever you listen to this podcast. We're eager to transform the lives of even more families.